Hi there. It's great to be together, um, even if we are scattered across 1066 country and further afield. For me, this has been a, a real week of prayer. Um, on Monday night, I gathered on Zoom with, with, with you, the church. It was brilliant. Um, on Tuesday lunchtime, I had the joy of hosting a joint prayer meeting with the Life Church in Mumbai, and it was wonderful to have both Hindi and English prayers going on at the same time. Tuesday night, I was invited to join Hope Church in Seven Oaks, and uh, I had the privilege of going along to their prayer meeting and sharing a little bit about what we're doing, and uh, they prayed for us. Um, on Wednesday, we had our family meeting where we shared what has been going on and what's going to happen in the future, and obviously, uh, we covered that in prayer as well. So it very much has been a week of prayer for me, and that's what we're going to be looking at. That's the subject we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look at the whole subject of prayer. We're told according to a recent tier fund survey that 44% of adults say that they pray, which is pretty amazing really. Um, one in 20 adults, that's 5% of the population, have started to pray since lockdown began. And I suppose in some ways it's not surprising when you consider what's going on in the nation at the moment. The survey also said that there are different reasons why we pray. Um, 45% of people said it's because they believe in God, and I guess that's the way that you communicate with him. 33% said it, it makes a difference when you pray. For some, they said that it was in a time of personal crisis that they turned to God. About one in four people had said that. And others, they said it's because they felt less lonely when they prayed. And certainly I know from my own prayer life, Knowing that I'm talking with God brings a great sense of comfort and strength. But really key questions when it comes to prayer are, who is it that you're praying to and how does prayer work? It's really important that we understand the manufacturer's instructions if it's going to work well, it reminds me of a story. It was a number of years ago um, when our landline telephone had stopped working and I decided to go off to a local retail park and buy a new telephone. And because of how I am, I thought, well, I'll look for a bargain. I'll see if I can pick a bargain up. And so I got a phone that was discounted. I got it. I brought it home. And if I'm honest, I just assumed I'd plug it into the mains. I'll plug it into the telephone socket and, and it will start. Um, after about half an hour of trying, I realised that I just could not get this telephone to work and I was getting increasingly angry and frustrated with it, even to the point where I repackaged it in the box, I took it home and, uh, not took it home, took it back to the shop um, and tried to return it saying that this phone's faulty, it's not working properly um, and much to my frustration and annoyance I was seething, um, the retailer wouldn't accept it. I can't remember what reason they gave. They just said, no, we're not going to take it. I was, I was absolutely mad. And on the way out of the shop, actually, I met some people from the church um, who were coming into the shop, and I can remember saying to them, um, you know, don't, you, don't use this retailer. They don't even give you a discount when their stuff's faulty. Um, I, I was absolutely seething, and I, I got home. I um, explained it to Chloe, and uh, she said, well, do you want me to give it a go? Um, so she unpackaged the box. Uh, she took out the instructions. She read the instructions. She plugged the phone in. 
she typed the code into the phone and lo and behold, it worked. She'd read the instruction manual. I, I thought, sort of thought I knew how it worked. I'd seen other phones. I thought you plug that bit in there, you do that over here, and I'm sure it's going to work. But I, as many men, I guess, are prone to do, I didn't read the instructions and uh, therefore had an incredibly frustrating afternoon. Um, I wonder for prayer, it can be a little bit like that. We sort of know how it should work, but we don't really understand the manufacturer's instructions, and so it, it doesn't work as it should do. As you can imagine, the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. It's a good place to turn if we want to understand how it's going to work. And at one time, Jesus is talking to some people and giving a very practical lesson in how it should work. He then even models it. Now, these people are really keen to learn how to pray. They, they, they want to know how to do it. And so he gives them this pattern of prayer that is still fairly familiar today. Um, I think it's not often understood, but it's, it's fairly familiar. So I'm going to use it um, to explain how prayer works, and I'm going to invite you to have a go at praying yourself. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 9 uh, through to 12. If you don't, don't worry, it's going to come on the screen next to me. So it says this. Pray then like this. This is Jesus giving the instruction. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm just going to take it a phrase at a time and hopefully just explain the the fundamentals of prayer. But even if you're very familiar with this passage, just I, 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 I'm going to ask God to really speak to you and bring a freshness to it um, at this time. So the opening phrase is this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first phrase tells us um, that, that prayer is, is not about a wish list, it's about relationship. It's about who we should be praying to. It's a relationship of the highest quality. Firstly, it's, it's not, it's not um, about approaching a distant, uninterested, sort of all-powerful being, but it's about talking with God, whom we get to relate to as our Father. It's, it's amazing. For some of you, that may not be good news. Uh, maybe because of broken or painful interactions you've had with your father or, or some sort of father figure. But it, it is really good news because the God we get to approach in prayer, the God we get to call father, um, is, is better than any earthly reflection that there is that exists. You know, God, he's constant. He, he won't let you down. The God we get to approach to, our Father, is totally trustworthy. What he says, he will come through on. The God that we come to, our Father, he is safe. He is protective. He's interested. 
He's caring. He, he cares about you. He's exciting. This is the one we get to come and, and talk to. This is the one we get to approach. I'm, I'm not coming and saying your majesty or your royal highness or emperor so-and-so. No, no, I'm coming to the Lord of all the universe and I get to say, my father, my, my dad, Abba. I, it's, it's, it's a phrase of relationship. It's a, a phrase of closeness. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, hallowed be your name. This communication with God reflects the fact that he is also holy, that he is separate from sin, that he is different from us. What, what happened to George Floyd and the racism that it reflects is terrible, it's horrific, it's a fruit of sin, it, it is sin. So is domestic abuse. So is people trafficking. So is theft, murder. But it's, but it's also pride, hatred, revenge, being judgmental, bitterness. The, even even self-centeredness all comes from that same seed of sin. But we find none of this in God, even though it exists in every human being. We find none of this in God. He's holy. And because of God's holiness and our sin, this relationship with God is not automatic. It's not just anyone who can come at any time, whenever they want, God is the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's holy. Just Not just anyone can come in and say, Hi, Dad, I'm here. You need to be put into a relationship with him. You need to be born into it, if that makes sense. In fact, the Bible says that if this doesn't happen... Our, our relationship with God is totally broken. You see, I've, I've, I've got the privilege, I've got four boys, they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, when they call, I, I want to answer their call. I want to help them if I can. There is something within me of, as a father that reflects to my children's call for help. When one of my boys was involved in a car accident and he rang up, I, I wanted to be involved, I wanted to help, I wanted to sort things out for him. It's be because I'm his dad. And I think that reflects in a very small way something of the draw, the, the sense of when we come to our father, his reaction to us is he wants to respond. He wants to come. Why? Because we're his children and he's our father. And the amazing thing is that Jesus has made a way for us to be adopted, brought into the family. We get to be born into the family. Through what Jesus achieved on the cross, although we were unable, he makes a way. The barriers of sin and rebellion and selfishness are dealt with. So we get to approach a holy God as our Father, my Father. Oh, what privilege. And then the next line that we see is, your kingdom come... And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
You know, God's got a plan. In fact, he's king. And he's got a kingdom, a rule and reign that is advancing. And so the first thing on our prayer agendas is for God's will to be done. It makes sense. We're part of the family. We want the family business to do well. As I said, prayer is based on relationship. I'm coming to my good heavenly father and I want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I guess I could say that in my prayer life, I'm prioritising heaven's agenda, God's agenda over my own. Um, And this shouldn't just be reflected in prayer only, but, but in life. Am I, am I caught up with God's agenda in the way I live, um, not just in how I pray? It moves then from, from God's kingdom coming to give us today our daily bread. Having said that, God our Father does massively care about us. We're invited to ask him for help. What, what do we need today, even the basics of life? Is it food? in a sense, our daily bread? Is it clothing? Is it shelter? Are there bills that need to be paid? Is there a healing that I'm searching for, just like the testimonies that we've heard over the last few weeks? But God's also concerned about my anxiety. He's concerned about my fear. He wants to help me in those things as well. And if I'm honest, quite a chunk of my daily prayer life is praying for daily provision. For me, uh, for my family, uh, for the church, I've got a father in heaven and he cares about me. It's, he says he even knows the numbers of hairs on my head. He wants to hear my prayers. He wants to respond to them. And I think that's good. I think that is okay. I guess that's why many turn to God in a time of crisis. You know, most of the time... We're self-sufficient, we've got everything under control, but then this wave of circumstances hits us and we, 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 we can't handle it, we get knocked off our feet. So in a crisis, we turn to something outside of ourselves for help. That's, that's okay, that's fine. I think God wants to help, but he doesn't just want to help us out of a time of crisis. He, he wants to know us and for us to know him. The next line of this prayer, this pattern for prayer, says this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I don't know if you've ever thought about how important forgiveness is. It's it's important in life. Certainly in, in my family life, I guess, forgiveness is something that is sought or given daily, or even if it isn't, it probably should be. I mean, saying sorry is one of the first things I guess a little child might be taught how to say. Why? Because because when you're in relationship, things go wrong as well as right. And forgiveness, repentance, saying sorry, those things are so, so important for giving, um, uh, helping life work well. It's important in prayer as well. The first thing we're told to ask for is personal forgiveness. If there's a God and he's as I've described him to be, and we're chronically out of step with him, Something needs to change. And God being God, he, he doesn't need to and, 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 and mustn't change, but, but we do need to change. We need to ask for forgiveness and repent. 
That's an acknowledgement of where we've got things wrong and making a decision to change our thinking and then our behaviour to line up with God. This is, this is humbling. I haven't got it sorted on my own. I'm not self-sufficient. Oh God, please forgive me where I've tried to live independently of you. And this isn't a once-in-a-lifetime event, but a regular activity as we pray. It's, it's part of what prayer is. The other half is about forgiving others. The logic goes like this. Look, God, you have forgiven me so, so much. Now, I should forgive whoever it is for what they've done to me. It's not, it's not that we... It's not that we just put up with wrong behaviour. It's not that we turn a blind eye to abuse or something that shouldn't be happening. No, no, that needs to be dealt with. Um, it needs to be confronted um, in an appropriate way. But, but, but it's something about the, the process inside of us where we forgive, where we let others go. We cancel their debt that we're holding against them. That, that's not an easy thing to do. It's a supernatural thing to do. But, but God tells us that we need to do it. Because if we don't forgive others as God has forgiven us, it will affect our relationship with him. It will affect our prayer lives, the, 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 the effectiveness, the fruitfulness of our prayer lives. But in reality, it also affects us as, a, as people. For some of you, you're caught up with unforgiveness and it's a bit like an elastic band that's wound up and up and up and up and up and up and and you know you need to forgive there's that tenseness even as I'm talking right now there is a tenseness you know you need to forgive a certain situation and what they did was wrong they shouldn't have done it but it's got a grip on you it's got a hook in you and you need to forgive And then it goes from forgiveness into temptation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Prayer is the language of a child to a father. So so I want to please my father. I want to please God. He's He's my dad. But at times it can be a real battle to please him. The evil one, the devil, he doesn't want me to please God. He's going to try and get me to live in a way that's independent of God. And so I need to pray and ask, oh God, lead me not into temptation. I think we'd all agree when we look at that list of uh, junk that we looked at earlier that the world would be a better place if it wasn't there. Racism, abuse, hatred, greed, lust, judgmentalism, selfishness. But it's a battle, oh God... I want to live your way. Help me to do it. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Part of our daily prayer language. And then it finishes here. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we finished in prayer, we're reminded that it's about God's kingdom. There is another kingdom. You may not perceive it, but it's real and it's growing and it's bringing amazing transformation to one life after another. That this kingdom is a kingdom of power, a good power, not not forcing its way in with hatred, but being invited in, bringing hope and peace and joy and love. And we find that this kingdom and this power is about God's 
glory. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about kings. It's about God. It's about God's glory. And it's a kingdom that's going to go on forever and ever. It's eternal. As I close, prayer is not about wish lists. It's not to be just relegated to a time of crisis. Prayer is a language of relationship from a child to a father. It's how we as people can talk to God. He's not hidden away in some mystical obscurity or defined by your personal preferences. He's a real and revealed God. He's revealed in the Bible. We can know what he's like. And there is a massive invitation, our Father. It's a relationship that we're all invited to join. It's a relationship made possible at great expense by Jesus Christ. It's a relationship we get to enter through faith and repentance. Why not use the Lord's Prayer this week as a pattern and talk with God? You can do it. You may never have prayed before. Why not think about the lines of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, and just pray it out. Ask God to help you to pray. You may be really familiar with prayer. Well, why don't you use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer?